Welcome to The Backpack, a podcast from Christ Community Church in Shelbyville, Kentucky. On The Backpack, we want to prepare you for the journey outside where following Jesus meets real life. Hey, welcome to The Backpack. My name is DJ. I'm one of your hosts, and thanks for joining me back at the canteen. This is one of our regular segments where we feature sermons from the preaching ministry here at Christ Community Church. It is Advent at Christ Community, and so we are starting into our Christmas series for this year that we call Drawing Names. A lot of times during the Christmas season, we end up drawing names of people to buy gifts for, and we start thinking about what it is that they would want, what it is we're going to get for them as we count down the days to Christmas. Well, for our sermon series, we're looking back at the names of the promised Messiah in Isaiah chapter 9, wonderful counselor, mighty God everlasting father and prince of peace. And as we consider the great gift that Jesus is to us, we look into these names and reflect on what we can learn about our Savior through them. So let's listen in as Pastor Blake talks to us about our wonderful counselor in this week's message. Hey, if you've got a Bible or a phone, I want to encourage you to find Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Uh, we are a uh, starting today our Christmas sermon series entitled Drawing Names. And this series is inspired, guided by a passage that we find in Isaiah chapter 9 that you heard DJ read from earlier, verse 6, that says this, For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Uh, this is a passage that Isaiah prophesied about uh, the coming Jesus uh, long before he was born. But as we come to this Christmas season and we think about Christ coming uh, and being born, God in the flesh, uh, we are going to, to see in this Christmas story how Jesus truly is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, our eternal father, our prince of peace. And so um, this is a, a great series to um, bring people to. Uh, here's the reality. Uh, people are waiting for good news. They're waiting for good news. And there is no better news than the fact that God put on flesh and came in the form of a baby. And they are more open to be invited to church to hear about Jesus uh, at Christmas time than almost any other time of the year. So in the chairs today, there's some invite cards for this sermon series. Uh, I'd love for you to take one if you need some more. Uh, we'll have some more at the Connect Desk for you. Uh, and another way that we want you guys to lean into the names of Jesus, right in the hallway that you might have noticed some red envelopes in that are Advent devotionals for your family, some that you can do with your kids. There's also a book uh, in there for us as adults that helps us to reflect on who Jesus is, the, the wonderful names of Jesus. And so that's why we've called this series uh, Drawing Names. Um, but it kind of brings back some, some memories or some, some things that we do at Christmas. So every year in our family, uh, we draw names to see who we're going to get to buy a gift for. Maybe you do this, maybe you don't, I don't know. But we use this app, and uh, when you plug it in and you, you draw your name, the eligible names start to roll on the screen. And um, I'm watching it, anticipating, wondering, who am I going to get? And then it comes to rest, right? It's this cool little animated thing now. We don't even do it on paper anymore. And it comes to rest on somebody's name. And when I see the name, I start to think about this person. What does this person want for Christmas? And then inevitably, right, I, I'm, I'm kind of jarred from my own thoughts by this realization. 
somebody else has drawn my name. And, and they're wondering what I want for Christmas. So what do we do? We fill out these wish lists, right? And um, this is just like a Christmas rant and an annoyance for me in these last few years. So because everything's uh, techno- you know, it's, it's electronic and we've got this thing called Amazon now, here's like what wish lists are in our family. It's here's a link to the exact size and color and brand and things that I want. If you could just click buy on this link, then you'll have the perfect Christmas gift. And it sounded really great for those first few years. But now I'm like, well, I'm going to go to Christmas. I bet when I unwrap that gift, it's going to be that thing that I sent, the exact size, color, brand thing that I selected and sent to them in a link. And it's like, no fun. It sucked all the wonder out of Christmas. So this year, I protested. And as we sat with my family and we drew names and, you know, everybody's trying to hint at the fact that they want their person to fill out the wish list, I said, just so you know, whoever has me, I want all surprises. And then the side texts start. What does Blake really want for Christmas? <laughs> but I love it, right? We, we need this, this wonder. I want to be filled with wonder as I unwrap my presents. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to reflect on these four names that Isaiah prophetically used to describe Jesus. And my hope is that you're going to see these names as descriptions of the one who came not just to give you a gift, but who came as the gift himself. He is the gift. And in his coming, he's thought about what you want and what you need. And then he came to give himself as the perfect gift for you. And so in much the same way as I want to be filled with wonder in opening my my Christmas presents, I want us as a church to be filled with wonder as we unwrap the gift of Jesus this Christmas. And that brings us to Matthew 1. I want us to read this piece of the Christmas story and then pray for our time in the Word. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, says this. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. And when when Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for coming a baby in the flesh. Thank you for being our wonderful counselor. Lord, help us to consider today how you show us the way. 
Help us to realize that it's okay to lay down our plans and be filled with wonder at the way that you direct and guide our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. This weekend at the lawyer's house, Proverbs 14.12 could have read like this. There's a way that seems right to a person to hang icicle lights on the roof, but its end is the way to death. <laughs> we, we, uh, we added to our outdoor Christmas lights this year by getting some icicle lights to hang across the, the roof line of our house. Now, uh, some of you may know that I grew up in the middle of nowhere. And for us, that meant that Christmas lights weren't a thing. Like, we, we just didn't do it. And so I have no experience hanging Christmas lights. Caitlin loves them, loves them. And, and I have to admit, like, she's growing on me. I, I, I like pulling up to the house and see the lights illuminating the darkness, as my neighbor came up and said to me yesterday. So I'm reminded of, like, they, they illuminate darkness, Blake. It's really pretty. And, you know, so it's, it's a good thing. But yesterday... When we got out the ladder and the icicle lights for the first time, there was a way that seemed right to me, and there was a way that seemed right to Caitlin. Do you ever have these issues in your house? I don't know. But this wasn't just about one thing. This was like every issue. How to use the ladder on places with uneven ground. How to hide the extra cord and the lights on the end of the house. And worse, what do we do about the peak of the house that we can't reach on the ladder? How do we fix that problem? There was a way that seemed right to me, and there was a way that seemed right to Caitlin. We could have used a counselor yesterday. <laughs> we needed a wonderful counselor, in fact. Not to tell us which one of us was right, but rather to remind us that when we dig our heels in on the way that we think is right, the end is death. The end is death. Now, Joseph wasn't hanging Christmas lights on that first Christmas, but the day that he found out Mary was pregnant, I'm going to guess he needed a wonderful counselor too. But instead of calling a wonderful counselor, he did what a lot of us do. He decided what he thought the right way to handle the situation should be. Look back at the beginning of the passage, verses 18 and 19. It says, the birth of Jesus came about this way, right? And after his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. This is awkward. This could create some tension. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. There was a way that seemed right to Joseph in this situation. Mary's pregnant what in the world should I do now, right? And he's thinking, I'm a righteous guy. She's a nice girl. But everyone knows how these things happen. I don't want Mary to get that kind of reputation around town. I'm asking myself, what's the right thing to do, Joseph? And then he decides, I think I'll just leave her quietly. I think that will be the best option. You know, all of us, all of us have moments, right, that we, that we need a wonderful counselor to, to show us the way. But even when we need a wonderful counselor, we tend to, to pursue the way that seems right to us. Sometimes we have to take the field trip, right? 
Maybe it, it is or was an unexpected baby, just like it was for Mary and Joseph. And you're scrambling trying to figure out the right thing to do. What's the way that seems right to me, to us? Maybe, maybe that job isn't going like you thought. But it's hard to know what's right because you thought coming to this job in the first place was right. So, so now, like, what's the, what's the right way? I'm trying to figure out what the right way is. Maybe it's a relationship that, that's had a wedge put into it by Christmas lights or, or maybe something worse, right? And it doesn't have to be a marriage relationship. It could be a friendship, a, a relationship with uh, your parents. But you have this wedge put into a relationship and you know that it takes both, both of you, both sides to mend the relationship. But, but what's the right way of approaching that conversation? It can be paralyzing, but, but we just, as humans, run to what we think is the right way. It might even just be life itself. Like just in general, you feel a little lost. Life is not turning out the way that you'd imagined it. And so you start to ask yourself, how do I figure out what's right now? What's the next right thing to do? What's scary about this is that when we become okay with our way, just, just like the people of Israel had when, when Isaiah first talked about this wonderful counselor who was coming, uh, he, like when we become okay with our way, just like they had, we, we get into some sticky situations. Isaiah was prophesying about this wonderful counselor that the people of Israel would want to take advice from. He was prophesying that because Israel was, was in this rut of doing evil things and everyday things of life, that, that, that they would just do that, they would do what seemed right to them, and then they would come to the temple to make these sacrifices and assume that, that God would just make it all right. In, in other words, when we fall into this habit of just doing things in the way that seems right to us, when we do it our way, and then expect God to just forgive us, we get in this really weird place. There's a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. We, we need the wonderful counselor. And even before Jesus had come out of the womb, he was giving this, this counsel, this advice to Joseph that was otherworldly, that that connected Joseph to Jesus and, and reassured Joseph that, that God's with him and he's with him to show him the way because he truly is the wonderful counselor. You know, if you think about it, there's nothing like receiving great advice from a wonderful counselor. Doesn't it feel good when somebody outside your situation gives you good advice? Scripture even recognizes this. Proverbs 15, 23 says, a person takes joy in giving an answer. And a timely word, how good that is. Y'all, we need the wonderful counselor because the counsel of the wonderful counselor fills you with wonder. Let me say it again. The counsel of the wonderful counselor fills you with wonder, and that wonder transforms the way that you look at life. Uh, first, I want us to think about this. His counsel fills you with wonder because it's otherworldly. It's, it's out of this world. Matthew 1.20 says, but after he had considered these things, after he considered divorcing Mary secretly, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, there are all kinds of observations in this one verse that show us that this counsel is otherworldly. First, it shows up at just the right time. 
after Joseph had considered his options, and, but yet before he'd acted on them. Uh, also, this counsel comes through an angel, and it happens in a dream, and it involves the miracle of the Holy Spirit putting a human life inside of Mary. This, this counsel from the wonderful counselor is otherworldly. Now, I think there's times when all of us might say, well, good grief, Blake. Even I could be amazed by God's advice if he sent an angel in a dream. Or maybe said more negatively, and a thought that I've had is, man, how come I don't hear God like that? Like, I'm all for a wonderful counselor, but I don't hear him like that. I don't remember any angels showing up in my dreams. I felt that at times, and I was challenged by something I read this week. It said this, I think the early Christians received special leading and direction because they needed it. These men and women were actively proclaiming the gospel, aggressively pushing the boundaries of Christ's kingdom. Uh, doing this requires real-time intelligence, who to speak to, what to say, how to say it, where to go next. I love this next line. It says, quite honestly, our days don't require much of that. Fries or onion rings, O Lord, turn thine eyes to thy hungry servant. There are warehouses of books written on God's will and how better to hear God's voice. But then the writer says, what if listening isn't the problem? What if it's a lack of involvement in the activities that require God to speak? Hmm. You see, Joseph, in this moment of his life, was on the front edge of Christ's kingdom. Christ's kingdom, like the king was about to be born, and Joseph needed to know where to go, what to do, what to say. Many of the missionaries that we will support through the Lottieman Christmas offering are on the front edge of God's kingdom, coming on earth as it is in heaven. They need to know God's way in real time. And sometimes we convince ourselves that, that we can't have that right here. We don't have to father the Messiah or go across the world to hear from God, but we do have to involve ourselves in the mission of God because that's when you need to know God's way in real time. When you need to know, you can trust that, that God will impress his wonderful counsel upon you. He has the ability to use whatever means necessary to give you wonderful counsel. God created humans with five senses, and we'd be silly to think that if God wanted us to taste and see how good he is, or to hear the good news, or to breathe in the aroma of Christ, or to put our hands in his side, that, that he couldn't do that. But one thing is certain, right? Any wonderful counsel from God will always point our lives to the life and person of Jesus, the wonderful counselor. The author of Hebrews reminds us that Jesus' coming is the most clear way that God has spoken to us. Hebrews chapter 1, right at the very beginning, verse 1 and 2, says, Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways, sometimes by angels and dreams. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. You see, his counsel, the counsel of the wonderful counselor, fills you with wonder because it's otherworldly. He's otherworldly, and his counsel points you back to him. That means that the decisions that you're making on a daily basis aren't going to be driven 
solely by what makes sense in this world. Your decisions aren't going to be solely driven by what makes you more money or by what gives you more power. Decisions won't be solely about choosing what's most comfortable now, but rather decisions guided by the wonderful counselor will be driven by God's word. And they're leading you to an otherworldly kingdom with an otherworldly king. And that leads us to the second reason that his counsel fills you with wonder. It kind of surprises you. And that's that his counsel fills you with wonder because it connects you to Jesus. It connects you to Jesus. The angel continues to speak to Joseph in the dream in verse 21. And he says, She, Mary, will give birth to a son, and you're to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. I want you to think about this for a minute. No longer, right here in this moment, no longer was this baby in Mary's belly a reason to run for Joseph. All of a sudden, this baby in the belly is now the reason that Joseph wants to stay. Because this baby is going to save Joseph from his sins. And all those who by faith would become his people get to experience that reality too. That's the very truth that we sometimes want to run and hide from is the very truth that when we understand it, saves us from our sins and makes us want and crave more of it. And this baby, the angel says to Joseph, needs Joseph to give him the name Jesus. Name him. He needs you to name him. It's so incredible that how God chooses to include us in his plans, the way that he has for our lives. And he says, Joseph, this baby's actually going to save you, but I need you to name him. Like, give him his name. Can you imagine how mind-blowing it, it might have been for Joseph to wake up from his dream, sense that he's been given the name for this baby in his fiance's belly, also to know the gender because, you know, they didn't have like 3D ultrasounds. And he's got to figure out how to go have a conversation with Mary. Uh, Mary, this is going to sound really weird, but I had a dream. There was an angel. I'm just telling you, the baby in your belly is a boy. And we're going to name him Jesus. Husbands, we all know that he's going out on a limb here. Like, <laughs> you're, you're broaching some sensitive subjects. And as mind-blowing as it might have been to picture Joseph doing that, Mary looks back at Joseph and says, I know, the angel told me too. This is a crazy moment where they had to be filled with wonder that Jesus, the savior of their people, had connected himself to them in a very intimate way. For Mary and Joseph, these precious moments of realizing that their lives were now intimately connected to Jesus, the, the promised Messiah, their rescuer, the one who would bring salvation, it filled them with this wonder and gave new direction to their lives. From that moment, every decision, every action in their life was different because they were connected to Jesus. Oswald Chambers says that the evidence of salvation is that the sense of wonder is developing. The evidence of salvation is that the sense of wonder is developing. You see, when we begin to, to be amazed that Jesus would save us, that he would be connected to a sinner like me, when we begin to be amazed at, at how Jesus saves us, that he would give up his very life that he would go through agony for me. 
When we begin to be amazed at the depths of our depravity, like how bad we really are, when we start peeling back our motives and our, our ugly sin, and when we begin to be amazed at the, the heights of his holiness, like God has always been good and faithful from, from beginning to end, and he has no beginning and end. It's, it begins to blow our mind when we begin to be amazed in and, and, and all of that. It's evidence that Jesus has indeed saved us from our sins. I think of the first stanza of the old hymn. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner, condemned, unclean. When you begin to have a sense of wonder about the truth that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth to save you, you'll begin to be in awe of the direction that gives your life. You see, we have to be in awe of who he is before we understand the way that he would show us to go. But when we do, all of a sudden, the sin that you once enjoyed, you'll now hate. Why? Because you're connected to Jesus. All of a sudden, your career shifts from, from my career is my purpose in life to your career simply being something that serves your greater purpose of joining Jesus and going out to make disciples. Why? Because you're truly connected to Jesus. It could even be relationally, right? You're not sure how, but you begin to see that person who's always gotten under your skin or that you've never understood. You begin to see them differently because you're connected to Jesus. And you now begin to see him or her as Jesus sees him or her. And that gives you guidance on how to love them. And when we begin to see this happening in our lives, what can we do but stand amazed? That old song concludes this in the chorus. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. His counsel fills you with wonder because it connects you, a sinner, to Jesus. The last way that I want us to, to see the wonder of his counsel. His counsel fills you with wonder because it reassures you that God's with you to show you the way. The angel's last words to Joseph in the dream say this in verse 23. See, the virgin will become pregnant, give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. This is really beautiful, really cool, because the angel in the dream is, is saying things that don't make worldly sense. The Holy Spirit's put a baby in your belly. You're going to name him this. You don't have to be afraid, like you can marry her. And, and he's doing that. He's saying these things that don't make sense, that are otherworldly, but he's bringing everything back to God's word because the, the angel is quoting from Isaiah seven fourteen right here. What we see is that God's reminding Joseph that this all makes sense when you remember God's words. It's as if the angel is saying, I'm not making this up, Joseph. God told us a long time ago that he was sending his son to be God with us. Now, He's in Mary's belly. Name him Jesus. He's God with us, and he'll show you the way. You see, God's word still does this for us. God's word helps us realize that God is with us. And we, we need that reality check often because it's so easy to miss God's presence in our hurried and hectic lives, isn't it? We need reminded, just, just like Joseph did. But as believers, God's with us when life feels like it's spinning out of control. Even in those moments, the wonderful counselor shows us the way. 
as believers, we, we need reminded that God's with us when our hearts are hurried about the Christmas budget or whatever else is grasping our hearts. In those moments, the wonderful counselor shows us the way. As, as believers, we need reminded that God is with us when we fail, when we fail, and it seems that there's no way to fix things. God is with us. He is the wonderful counselor in those moments who show us, who shows us the way. In fact, for the next 30 plus years, Jesus did just that throughout the Middle East. He showed people the way, his way. But many didn't believe him. They thought he was staging a takeover. They believed that he wanted to take their worldly power and, and control all for himself. And for those in those days who didn't believe, the way that seemed right to them was to make sure that this Jesus guy was eliminated. And so for those who didn't believe, they conspired against him. They infiltrated his disciples. They made false accusations. They even deceived others into believing lies about him. They mocked him. They spat on him. They beat him mercilessly. They tortured him. And they hung him on a cross. Because in their hurried and hectic lives, there was a way that seemed right to them. Its end is the way to death. And surely they believed in that moment that Jesus' death was right. That he was wrong to claim that he was God. That he was the wonderful counselor who could show them the way to life everlasting. There was a way that seemed right to them. But when Jesus died, and the ground underneath their feet shook, and the curtain to the Holy of Holies was torn open, and the dead were resurrected, and then three days later when Jesus' tomb was empty, I wonder, in that moment, how many of those who did not believe wished that they had listened to the wonderful counselor? How many, like the centurion, recognized that this truly was the Son of God who was with them to show them the way. Jesus Christ, the wonderful counselor, had been with them to show them the way, and they'd missed it. They'd missed it. But you know who didn't? Joseph. Verse 24 says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but didn't have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Joseph received the gift of the wonderful counselor. He laid down his plan, what he thought was right, and he took up God's instead. It sounds so simple. It may be your plan for hanging up Christmas lights. Are you willing to lay down your plan and take up his instead? It may be your plan for getting out of your financial crisis. Are you willing to lay down your plan and take up his plan instead? It may be your plan for getting out of your marriage. Are you willing to lay down your plan and take up his plan instead? It, it may be your plan for having a good life, for getting away from that bad habit that you have, from trying to take care of your own sin. Are you willing to lay down your plan and take up his? It may be your plan for avoiding the pain that life has brought. 
even in that, are you willing to lay down your plan and take up his? Today, would you receive the gift of the wonderful counselor? Like, just accept that he has given you himself as one of the greatest gifts of all time. Direction and guidance, counsel that is perfect. Would you believe that his way is best and lay down your way? As the band comes, I want to share some thoughts from Tim Keller. Such a great uh, man of God and thinker. He writes, Christmas is about receiving presents. But consider how challenging it is to receive certain kinds of gifts. Some gifts, by their very nature, make you swallow your pride. Imagine opening a present on Christmas morning from a friend, and it's a dieting book. (laughs) Then you take off another ribbon and wrapper, and you find it's another book from another friend entitled Overcoming Selfishness. And if you say to them, thank you so much, you are, in a sense, admitting, I am indeed overweight and obnoxious. (laughs) In other words, writes Keller, some gifts are hard to receive because to do so is to admit that you have flaws and you have weaknesses and you need help. Perhaps on some occasion you had a friend who figured out you were in financial trouble and they came to you and they offered you a large sum of money to get you out of your predicament. If that's ever happened to you, you probably found that to receive the gift meant swallowing your pride. We've all been in this place, right? Of needing help and not wanting to admit it. So Keller says there's never been a gift offered that makes you swallow your pride to the depths that the gift of Jesus Christ requires us to do so. Christmas means that we are so lost, so unable to save ourselves, that nothing less than the death of the Son of God himself could save us. That means that you are not somebody who can pull yourself together and live a good moral life, but rather you are someone in need of a wonderful counselor. And so as we respond to the good news, that good news today, I implore you, would you receive the gift of the wonderful counselor? Would you accept it and admit your weakness and flaws and need for him? Today, as the band plays and as we respond, there's at least three ways you can respond. One is to simply come and confess, I'm lost, I'm in need, I'm hurting, I'm broken, and I believe that Jesus's way is better than the way that I've been trying. And if you need to place your faith in Jesus and his way, I'll be down here in front. I would love to just pray with you, stand with you, hear what God is saying to you and and just celebrate with you that we have a savior that can show you the way. Some of you need to lay your life down just like Joseph did. Joseph, there was a way that seemed right to him, right? But he laid it down and followed the, he was obedient to God's word instead. And, and for many of us, that starts in leaving our old lives in the waters of baptism. 
where in those waters, just like we saw Lyle last week on Love Show, they said, the old life, man, it's, it's done, it's dead, it's gone. No longer am I living my way, but I want to be resurrected to new life, to a new way in Christ. If you need to make that decision today, come, come, and let's talk about what that looks like for you. And last but not least, for those of you who are baptized believers in Christ, I want you to receive communion today. That as you pray and make your way to the outside and come forward and take the bread and the juice, you know, we often say that we, we take communion. But today, what if we eat at the table with a heart of receiving? That we receive the body and the blood of Christ. That we accept his gift for us. That we acknowledge our weakness and our need for his daily bread to sustain us day by day by day. May the Lord's Supper today be a reminder to us that God is with us as believers moment by moment to show us the way. He is truly our wonderful counselor. Let's pray. Jesus, you are so patient with us. Your mercy, like it sustains us until we are willing to accept this gift of grace that you've given to us. And so Lord, I pray that that you would help us to stand amazed in your presence, that we would be filled with the wonder and the awe of you being our wonderful counselor. Lord, if there's any here who's given their life to, to trusting their own way, and we all do, Lord, I pray that you would help them to lay it down and trust you today. Trust your way, the way of the wonderful counselor. Give them the courage to step out and say, I need, I need something different. I need to pray and come to the Lord today. And Lord, for each of us, I pray that in the middle of this hurried and hectic season, we would be reminded that we can be guided by you. We need to be guided by you. We don't have to live the way of the world, but we can live the way of the kingdom because the king is born and he is reigning. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Hey, DJ again. Thanks for joining us at the canteen and listening to this week's message. Uh, We hope it was helpful to you and that you're encouraged and challenged as we set out this week to walk the walk of faith together, joining Jesus in going outside. Uh, if you're a part of Christ's community, hey, let's let's lean into this. Let's not let this just be an academic exercise, but let's apply what we've heard today. How can you be applying this truth in your life this week? If you're not part of the Christ community family, we're glad that you joined us, glad that you found us, and we hope that, uh, that this message was helpful to you as well. One encouragement we would give you, if you're not part of a local church, uh, please don't use these resources as a substitute for that. It is a pale imitation of the real thing as we live in community with one another. So if you're in the Shelbyville area, we'd love to have you come out and join us. But wherever you are, find a local church, get plugged in an experienced Christian community as it was meant to be, and continue to use these resources to supplement that journey. But please don't replace it. Thanks for joining us this week. Grab your backpack, and I will see you on the trail. Thanks for listening to The Backpack, a production of Christ Community Church. The Backpack is hosted by DJ Williams, Daniel Bright, and Josiah Ward. 
You can learn more about Christ Community Church at loveshelbyville.com.